You're listening to Shake It, a modern Polaroid love story by Vanessa Lowe and Megan Jones. I'm Megan Jones. The instant of Polaroid instant photos is actually anywhere from 45 seconds to several minutes as the film develops. These waiting moments are special to the whole experience of taking the photo and sharing it. Waiting and watching a Polaroid develop with someone turns simple picture-taking into an event. Christopher Bananos and Dave Bias comment on this happy aspect of Polaroids. Watching it develop over about, let's say, 90 seconds, it does two things. One is it makes you look, it compels you to look, and second is it forces you to kill 90 seconds. And usually what happens is the subject and the photographer get to chatting. And this is not to be taken for granted. The forced 60, 90 seconds of conversation, it's the best icebreaker in the world. Sitting on the green grass, I know the sky is blue. And I know that this is true. So do you. used to be that sharing photography was you would get double prints. You go to the drugstore, drop off your roll of film, and you get two sets of prints instead of one so that you could share them with your mom or whoever was with you in the photographs. And that has just been blown wide open by social media. We click off tons of photos on our phones. We shoot, edit, share so easily and quickly. Digital photos, it's immediate and you can just shoot, 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 shoot. I look at my Instagram feed and a concert I was at, 15 people have the exact same picture on their phone of the exact same thing. A lot of times you take a cool picture and you're like, oh, I wish other people could see that and you get to show it, like share it immediately, which is really fun. We look more, we shoot more, we post more. The photos we share online can be pinned, collected and liked. And even as you add a photo to the billions of others out there, you want it to be special and recognizable as your moment. One of the most distinctive qualities of a Polaroid photo is that it is essentially unique. And this, I think, affects the way you look at it and think about it, because it is effectively an addition of one. You can take another picture of it, or you can scan it, and it'll look okay. But it doesn't look like the original. It just doesn't digital photographs, you can spin off a thousand copies in a second. A Polaroid photo, it's not so easy. You need these old cameras, you need these like weird, funky chemicals, you need the perfect amount of light and fog and whatever, and this magical moment, and you could never recreate that with digital. Of course, Instagram being the 800-pound gorilla of filters, it's an attempt by a lot of people to add this character to their photo in a way that feels personal to them and which the friends that they share it with can recognize as their own. They want people to think that I did this, not that it just joins the pantheon of eight billion other digital photos, but that this is something that's special. Thoughtful use can help reveal meaning in the flood of images which makes up so much of human life. We hope the user will fully complete the chain, gaining as much fun, as much sense of self, and as clear participation in the stream of human creativity as did Edwin Land and the team who first made SX-70. There's a saying that the best camera to have is the one you have with you. And now we have dependable, easy-to-use cameras with us all the time. The cameras on our smartphones provide consistent, reliable images with no surprises. Everything looks pretty good. With Polaroids, 
There's a surprise in every box of film you load, and Bruce Scott loves this. One of the greatest things about Polaroids are the f**k-ups. Because you have light leaks, you're dealing with chemicals that don't always set properly. There's so many variables that can alter the way that a photo turns out. And I think that's kind of how you get hooked with analog photography and particularly with Polaroids. Because you just wait for those moments when they happen. It's like, yes, this is great. I actually love that people want to screw up their photos and not have them be perfect. This is part of the magic for me, too. I love what comes out of my camera, screw-ups and all. The imperfections of the light, the film, the background, subject, and photographer are just captured in a Polaroid. So are we really making art in these moments? Vanessa, my co-producer, made a call, and we found ourselves sitting down with a film director who used Polaroids a lot in his artistic process. Yeah, I'm Gus Van Sant, and we're in Portland, Oregon. Think, baby, go over there, go over there. It's my dog, Milo. Um, good boy, you stay there. Gus Van Zant is an Academy Award-nominated film director for Goodwill Hunting and Milk, among the long list of his accomplishments. But he is also a painter and a photographer. Some of his Polaroid photos were collected into the book, 108 Photographs. He talked about how he used Polaroids to capture faces, to storyboard, communicate, and to remember. When I made a Drugstore Cowboy in 1988, I was taking photographs of people with the Polaroid, just single photographs, which became the book, 108 Photographs. And um, it was a way to keep a record of who I saw. So I, I used the Polaroid as like a, an easy way to have just a record of the person. So I usually just put them against a wall next to a window, kind of like here, and took just a single picture. So if it was out of focus or done wrong, I ended up with the imperfection. It was also a way for me to sort of break the meeting up. So I was like, okay, can I take your picture? And then they stood and took the picture. So everybody was standing and I said, okay, thanks for coming. So it was just a way for me to say, okay, it's over. With those first meetings, taking these photographs, the only way that I had to like remember, and I have a bunch of them here if you want to see them. I'm going to get that, those photos. Kind of cool because there were people that later, you know, there's an old one of John Cameron Mitchell. But he was like 19 and like hadn't done anything yet. There were a lot of photos stacked in that box, and he was careful as he flipped through them. It's probably like 100 here, or maybe 50. These are some that are in that book. I don't normally put the white bow on, but it's not the negatives, but the Polaroids. So this is for a film that never happened, which was called Standing Room Only. No, wait, maybe that's it. It was a film about Jimmy Roselli. So these are all the mobsters. That's, what's his name? Um, oh, this is infamous. Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> so you have things like that. You like have this really great picture of Joey Buttafuoco in a room, and I didn't really know who he was at the time. Tom Everett. Do you know him? Jimmy Flynn. Oh, that's Jimmy Flynn. He was part of the uh, infamous Boston gang, Whitey's gang. Or supposedly he was. Nobody could prove it. James Franco. Dennis Hopper. River Phoenix. I had gone to Florida to meet him, and so that's in front of his garage. While Guest talked about his Polaroids, his expression seemed to lighten and change. I asked what he felt or remembered about his pictures. I think if there's a fond memory, it's that I'm remembering that period of time. And it was sort of pre-digital. Now what I do is I actually, because everything is online, I just find pictures on the internet, and there'll be hundreds of them. So you choose one that you like, 
before it was just the Polaroids. And now that we have internet photographs, it's just a different style, but it's the same purpose for me. After talking and looking at his photos and books, I pulled out my SX-70. It seemed only right that we should take a Polaroid. I took a picture of Gus and his dog Milo, and he took one of Vanessa and me. Once we document a moment with our cameras, it becomes history and memory, and with some of us, art. William and Bruce started their Photo A Day blog, Polaroid SF, in the fall of 2011. A year later, they had their first show at Minna Gallery in downtown San Francisco. Their next show, Another Year in Polaroids, had a great opening night turnout of over 700 people. Shortly after that show, the hotel giant Starwood called and commissioned a Polaroid art installation for the San Francisco La Meridian Hotel. William told me he got the idea for the blog after reading Patti Smith's memoir, Just Kids. He remembered seeing in the book that Patti had encouraged Robert Maplethorpe to pick up a camera, even though Maplethorpe considered himself to be a painter. And I'm a painter, and I was thinking, I'm in a new city, why not pick up a camera? I'm looking for a way to put my stamp on something here. And Bruce and I were at lunch, and I blurted out, let's start this photo blog, a photo a day with Polaroid cameras. And he was like, yes, yes, let's do it. And we ordered a Polaroid camera on an eBay auction on my iPhone right there at lunch. Everyone has a stupid blog about their lives and their pets and their friends and we wanted to make it more. We wanted to make it not about us. That's why it was anonymous for so long. And until we had our year show, no one even knew our names. Bruce? Yeah, it's basically an open love letter to San Francisco. With the compact design of the cameras and the fast-developing film, easy instant picture-taking became a social activity. This wasn't just a cool camera. Christopher Bananos talks about how Land thought we would use our Polaroids. You would be taking pictures all day long, and you could, in a crude way with Polaroid film, document all the time, every day. And that is, in a crazy way, a big analog Facebook page. It's a timeline of your life. That is something that the Polaroid people understood, and I think Lan would be pleased to have discovered he was pioneering. Individual pictures on Instagram may not be art. If you take a picture of your lunch, there's only so much art to that. But if you do it every day for a year, that is a little art project. Same for documenting, oh, I don't know, your kid every day for the first five years of his life. or your changing life. In the aggregate, your Instagram feed is a kind of art. Look at this Instagram. It's been an inside of him. Started out as a lemon tart. Then my phone went and made it art. Look at this coffee foam. Now look at this pretentious tome. Now look at this garden gnome. I'm freaking Michelangelo. And so here we are, documenting so much of our lives, sometimes in artful ways, sometimes not. Look at this Instagram, a Nickelback parody produced by collegehumor.com, asked this question too.
This is something Andy Warhol tried to do. He toted a Polaroid camera to every party and every art opening and every, 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 everything for years and years and years. And if you look in those memory boxes he would throw together or in the archives at the Andy Warhol Museum, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of faces shot at parties, shot at friends' houses, shot hanging around at Studio 54. He was doing the same thing. He was in that Warholian way that the life is the art and the art is the life. You can do something like that, too. In our social media streams, we see art and life intersect and collide. And sometimes, the process of art becomes art itself. Gus Van Zandt's simple Polaroids of actors were combined with Warhol's Polaroids in a show called One Step Big Shot, portraits by Andy Warhol and Gus Van Zandt. Van Zandt didn't just use Polaroids to capture famous faces at the end of auditions. He also used them in his filmmaking and casting process. I had moved to L.A. and it was around 1975, or maybe even later, maybe 77. There was a job I had gotten, so I had some money and I squandered it on this four-star revamped Polaroid. I remember when I shot my first film, Malanoche, I had elaborately storyboarded the whole movie. I don't know how I afforded this, but I guess it was cheap enough at the time that I would actually take a photograph of the actor in the storyboard setup line them up, and I would paste the Polaroid into the place, say, okay, we got this shot covered. Yeah, it was just a very important part of how I was thinking about combining the actors' faces into the final project. And then I did have a show with the Polaroids. Maybe the Polaroid frame lends an artistic layer to our pictures, which is also maybe why so many smartphone camera apps have adopted the white square border. It's three by four image that's in a frame, so it looks like a portrait of sorts. The um, formality of that is interesting. They're almost like mug shots, so you're sizing people up. So their character's represented by that one moment in time. It's hard to separate the medium from the message. And when you're looking at a Polaroid, the medium is actually speaking to you as much as anything else. I want to believe that. Polaroid photos are pretty easy to keep in a box, a file, or a drawer. They have a location and they take up space there, even if you don't remember exactly where that location is. In moving from physical photos to digital ones, we lost some things. We lost holding a photo, the need to store our photo stash, the cost of each picture we take. I met Joe Robinson through a design and tech meetup in San Francisco. He had been going through and trying to catalog and preserve his family's photos. We talked about how the sheer ease of digital photography has introduced an unintended consequence to the many, many photos we take. Always having a camera has an interesting implication that the younger generations, people born in the last five, ten years, in particular being born now, they're literally going to have thousands, if not tens of thousands, of photos of their childhood and videos. Literally too much to sort through, right? I'm Joe Robinson. I organize a community called Designers and Geeks, which brings together artists, makers, thinkers to celebrate art, design, and technology. I wonder how many images are lost when people buy that new iPhone. Do they just leave all the images on the old one and like never look at them again? Is it that disposable? We're sitting on mountains and mountains of data and images, and it's hard to imagine that we'll make use of it all. We take all these photographs, and they have less value because they're so easy to take. And we don't necessarily take the time or have the time to print them out. The more of something that there are, the easier they are to lose. We create more photography every hour than we did from the invention of photography 
up until 1960 or something like that in volume. This means there's a lot of crap out there, but it also means that a lot of people that would have gone unseen are being seen. The digital age has changed so much today. We're kind of living in a different period. We've entered this kind of world where everyone has an online presence. Everyone puts out every last thought, every last meal, every everything. With social media, the truth is, you don't always know where and in what context your photo is being seen and who's seeing it. The beauty of an instant photo was that it looked great, it was right there, and no one saw it who wasn't intended to see it. If you take a Polaroid picture because it's hard to share, unless you give it to someone, it provides a certain level of intimacy and, for lack of a better term, safety. And if you reveal yourself, say, in the bedroom, because people did that a whole lot with Polaroid cameras, if you hang on to the pictures, they're yours, and they're safe. That can open up a whole level of trust between subject and photographer, because you can do whatever you want with the knowledge that it's not going to escape somewhere. That was powerful for amateurs who were goofing around in their bedrooms, but also to artists who could have the option suddenly of doing things that, especially in the old days, you couldn't really send out to the lab.